sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee. So my guest on the Tales of Tennessee podcast today is a real novelty in the world of country music, being a young female editor of one of the only, if not the only, print country music magazine in the UK. Her journalistic and music background has given her a fabulous grounding for this role, and I'm delighted to find out more about Maverick magazine editor Zoe Hodges. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> very welcome. So I was just saying to you sort of before we before we started this, that one of the things I love about this podcast is finding out all of the um, the kind of behind the scenes and how did people get into their role in the music industry. And I'm really looking forward to this one because I don't know your backstory at all. So it's going to be a real treat for me. So can you give us a bit of a quick whistle stop tour of how you became involved in music journalism to begin with? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually studied a degree in songwriting at university, and uh, the the plan originally was to uh, you know move to Nashville and and write songs for all the big country stars. Um, I, I fell in love with country music. Um, actually, when that first Taylor Swift album came out and uh, started listening to it, absolutely loved it. It was the first time I'd really properly connected with with music, really. Mm. Um, and I, you know, it inspired me to pick up a guitar and. I was like, who's this Tim McGraw that she's talking about? <laughs> and of course, you know, as a as a, as a young school kid, um, I, I just suddenly found this world of music that we don't usually hear on the mainstream radio over here. Um, yeah. And so I just, yeah, fell in love with the whole genre, went to uni. And it was whilst I was at uni, I was like a poor student, wanted to go to all these gigs, but couldn't really afford it. Yeah. And uh, so I thought, well, you know what, I'll start waff- waffling about it online and uh slowly I started getting interviews started uh, getting free gig tickets to go and review it and uh, that's sort of my way in really oh brilliant so were you from a musical are you from a musical family or anything anyway or is your music love just purely you know self-developed yeah it's just self-developed really um my you know my parents have always been very encouraging of uh, of my love of music and mm. You know, I remember being young and, and those car journeys and uh, the, the music that they liked and that they used to play to me, which was a mixture of ABBA and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, yep. And, I, I, you know, I still love ABBA and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yep. But, uh, but, yeah, they, they weren't really musical themselves. And then when I started getting into country music, my gran was like, oh, well, I actually really love country music. So here's all my records. And we used to listen to Glen Campbell together. And I, I love the old style as well as the new style. Actually, we had a, um, myself and my brothers um, and sisters-in-laws, etc., have got a WhatsApp group. And just this morning, one of my brothers, who is the other, di- one of the other directors of Tennessee Field, sent a message on there with a link to John Denver's grandma's, grandma's Featherbed which mm-hmm. our dad used to play us all the time when we were really little. And we just have such vivid memories of it playing out of his Renault 25 back in the day. Um, and uh, and like you say, Glenn Campbell is like the rhinestone cow- cowboy, et cetera. And uh, they're just such classics, aren't they? And, and I think a lot of people know, they know those songs, they love those songs, but don't necessarily connect the two, uh, you know, them being country music and, loving country music and what have you um together so no it's there's a lot of similarities in our country music background I think I think there whereabouts did you go and do your songwriting course 
uh, down in London. So I'm, I'm I grew up in uh, in Oldham, just outside of yeah. Manchester, and uh, that's where I'm back. I'm back here now, uh, yeah. not in Nashville, <laughs> yeah, sadly. But, uh, but yeah, I went to London and, and studied that. My my one of my other little brothers has actually just um, finished his songwriting degree um, from BIM down in London. Um, how uh, it seems so in depth. I mean, I just had absolutely no idea the depth that you go into into a songwriter in a songwriting degree. You know, when I think of songwriting. I know I'm biased, but I just think of somebody sitting there writing a country song, you know, in front of the fire or whatever it might be. Um, but the technicality that goes behind it is just amazing. I mean, do you ever use any of that knowledge anymore with your own writing and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I mean, I, I use it. I, I still write songs myself and mm. uh, uh, and still perform when I can. Um, but uh, when when it comes to journalism as well, there's so many things that, like you say, they, they go so deep into the technical side of it. You mm. really pull songs apart. You you really study every aspect of it from from even like the business side of it and the the production side of it the arrangement every everything that there is to do with with songwriting uh, you, you study in great detail and so when it comes to uh, journalism when it comes to reviewing um, music I really do sort of draw upon some of the the theoretical sides mm. of, of things that we learn to sort of pick out parts of, of songs that um, I really love and parts where I feel like I get what they were trying to do but it doesn't necessarily hit the mark or or whatever so yeah I do definitely pull on that experience now and with your own songwriting is that country music or is that you know crossover or yeah it it mainly is and that's you know I I live and breathe country music um however when the pandemic hit I uh I actually I I wasn't in this job I, I was working as um as a, an early years photographer and uh, obviously the pandemic hit we, we couldn't do our photography and I, I lost mm. my job and I went volunteering at Oldham Food Bank and uh, the people that I met there were just so inspirational I actually started writing a musical about them um, and Amazing. Uh, so <laughs> I write all the songs that they're still very I, I find there's so many similarities between musical theatre and country music because it's all about the storytelling yeah. in both genres so I think a lot of the songs that I'm writing for the musical start off as country songs and then I'm orchestrating them for like a, a full orchestra and it, it gets taken somewhere else really. <laughs> oh that sounds amazing and I completely agree you know and I've interviewed Tim Protty Jones for example on here and he has done some musical theatre. Remember Monday they perform in the re- in the West End that's Gareth Nugent, Vic Manser. You know there's a lot of um, uh, cross-pollination I guess <laughs> between musical theatre and, and country music I'm I'm like you I'm a big fan of musicals and uh, ABBA and, and things like that and it's again it is all about the storytelling it's about the lyrics and it's about having something that I'm able to sing to I don't personally I don't I struggle to understand more of the kind of electronic music and things that don't have words just because that's how I connect with the with yeah. the music um so you started your maverick role back in March this year is that right yes that's right so can you tell us a little bit sort of about the magazine itself uh, I know it took over country music magazine back in 2019 um how did you how did you find it did you know it already or how did this all come about 
Yeah, so uh, Maverick itself has been going since 2002. Um, and I remember, you know, saving up my pocket money uh, when I was at school and, and going to WH Smith and buying it. Um, yeah. So I was always a, a fan of Maverick. Um, and, uh, I, and yeah, it was just um, just contacts in the industry said that the, there was this role going there. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I sort of need a job. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's not a bad one to apply for. So uh, so I did. And, you know, it's, it's actually it's my dream job, really, you know, because I was doing I was. I had my own blog for seven years prior, um, completely unpaid, just for the love of country music, really. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was the perfect job. I mean, it's it's a lot of hard work, but it doesn't really feel like work when you when you get to talk to your idols, really. No, absolutely. And what about the team at Maverick? How big is the team? Is it you know just a, a couple of you doing everything? Do you have people based out in Nashville? How does it all work? Uh, yeah, so all the content is uh, myself and uh, a guy out in Nashville called Eric Dahl, and he's he's fantastic. He also writes for American Songwriter, and um, he has his own uh, TV show on on Fox, and he, he's brilliant. And he's met everybody, interviewed everybody, uh, and so between the two of us, we do all the content in the magazine, and then That's we have the amazing sales team, and um, but yeah, the. The creative stuff, it, it's just the two of us and we have such a great working relationship as well. Just, I yeah. mean, you know, we've never met, but uh, we, we talk on Zoom all the time and uh, just, you know, get carried away with, with our different loves of the genre. <laughs> yeah, that's that's absolutely amazing. I had no idea it was, you know, just the two of you putting all the content together because it is it is a lot of work. And um, my mum runs a publishing business. It's only a very small thing, but I see the work and the dedication and the precision that goes into laying everything out and I mean they're books not magazines but do you do all the layout and everything as well or do you have a I don't know creative team or something that does that uh, we have a designer that, yeah. that you know designs it so I'll just you know at the end sort of when our deadline's approaching I'll send all the content over um and uh, yeah and Eric sends the content to me that I just you know uh, have a have a check through and then uh, yeah we send it to our designer who who does an absolutely fantastic yeah. job so. amazing and do you and Eric sort of have similar tastes in country music obviously it's such a massive genre um do you kind of naturally glide towards some artists and him the other or is it literally just a just a crossover uh, yeah I think it's just the crossover really which uh it's it's great because um, there, there's there is a bit of an age difference between me and Eric, and uh, but yeah, we just we just love it all really. And mm. with him being in Nashville, and he's got his ear a little bit closer to the ground than me, he can say, "Oh, you know, I've just heard about this this artist that's about to sign a a deal or whatever," and uh, uh, he'll send me things, and uh, I'll I'll take a listen, and then that way we can try and get you know break out some of these artists in in England before anybody else that's that's the plan anyway yeah, but, absolutely. yeah we're really passionate as well both of us about the songwriters of the genre um, and sort of shining a spotlight on them um, because there's so many great writers that have write, written hit out after hit mm. and, and people just don't know don't know absolutely. the name but um, you know they've got such interesting stories, and a lot of them are, are very funny people as well. So yeah. uh, they they make for good articles. So Eric's very uh, in touch with that as well. So we we often communicate about about those lesser known artists and, and yeah. writers. I think 
the whole world of songwriting is just part of the country music journey, isn't it? And I, I mean, I've only really recently taken much more notice of of the songwriters. And I think it was at C to C, it must have been 2019, whenever we had the last one anyway. And um, I went to watch the songwriters round. I think there was Cam and Jimmy Allen, but I th- there was Ross Copperman mm-hmm. um, and possibly Laura Veltz was there on that one. And I had no idea who they were when I went along. And then they started playing all these songs. I was like, wow, that's absolutely amazing. And uh, I interviewed Billy Montana for the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And of course, he he's written Suds in the Bucket, um, Memory I Don't Mess With. He's had just hundreds of hits, well, hundreds of songs and, uh, you know, multiple number ones. And it was just amazing to to talk to that person behind the song. And I just, I find it all so fascinating. So yes, I'm well and truly on that journey with, with you guys. Um, how are sales of the physical magazine and how has that been affected by COVID, if at all? Because I know there's a su- subscription mm-hmm. service, obviously. Um, have you seen, I know it's difficult for you because you obviously joined during COVID, but mm-hmm. is there still a demand for the physical magazine itself yeah there is and and I mean I don't really get too involved with that side of things the only way I get involved is I I do love to hear what subscribers want from me uh you know because I mean that's the main reason why I'm there is to provide content for them so what they want to read is is what I want to write basically but um I'm not I'm not sort of too involved with the actual sales side of things it did get hit by COVID and we actually um like like I said that we I used to go to WH Smith and pick up a, a copy. Mm. We stopped distributing to, to places like that at the start of COVID because all those places were shut. You know, yeah. it was only essential items that you could buy and uh, magazines weren't deemed to be essential. And luckily, our, a lot of our subscribers stuck with us through it. Um, and they, they do like the physical magazine. They, I think people do like that sort of distraction to hold on to something. Absolutely. I mean, when it comes to music, I'm still, you know, vinyl and CD. Um, yeah. You know, I always say to people, I can't get an MP3 sign. So, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, and then the other thing is that the artists, the artists, you know some artists will only interview with print publications so we can't really afford to lose our our print side of things uh, where other people are going digital only Uh, in our genre especially a lot of the bigger stars they only want to do print media so you know that's that's an edge that we have over other publications absolutely absolutely and and you cover Americana as well don't you it's not just country as you know sort of more mainstream country is that um I I don't know a lot about the Americana industry in terms of how it's progressing is that sort of going along the same lines as country music in your opinion yeah I mean I I think I was the same really I I I mean I always say that I love a broad spectrum of of country music the old style new style Um, and and Americana was something that I had to really sort of learn more about when I got the role because I obviously didn't want to lose that that aspect of it but there is just so much crossover between the two yeah and and often you know I I sort of look at it and I think what does the artist want to identify themselves as as opposed to what what do I think it is kind of Mm. thing you know because there is so much crossover um and uh you know again it comes back to what we've already sort of talked about and it's it 
it's all linked with that that storytelling kind of songwriting. So yeah, so I, I hope that we still uh, you know, have a nice balance of, of country and Americana. Yeah. No, I'm just sort of just recently actually I've been listening to a little bit more Americana and and I love it, although I wouldn't naturally sort of veered towards those playlists mm-hmm. for I don't even know why why not but when I listen to it I love it I went to see Els Bailey last week and she was supported by the True Strays and they were absolutely fantastic um mm-hmm. and again the storytelling element there were just the two of them and one of them had a guitar and he was sitting with a kick drum and the other one had his bass and he had like a shaker attached to his shoe so actually the you know the sound they made was amazing just for two guys standing on the on the stage so no i am um, yeah. completely agree with you and 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 also with the physical magazine it is nice it's a it's a bit of a treat isn't it to sit there with something physical i mean i'm very behind the times with anything technical anyway um but when it comes to books and things i did eventually give in and get a kindle which i absolutely love but I love sitting there and reading a proper physical book and the same, the same with a magazine as well. So hopefully, you know, long may that continue. Um, So where is it, where is it all created? Where is sort of the home of Maverick magazine? Uh, So our offices are down in Kent. Uh, Now I'm going for the first time tomorrow. Amazing. (laughs) to meet the rest of the team um so yeah so um I mean that's the other thing uh because uh Maverick is part of Hand Media uh which is the publishers and um you know they've got a lot of other magazines and I was actually their first remote editor um and that was all because of the pandemic you know yeah. if, if they'd have needed a if the pandemic hadn't have happened they'd have uh, probably wanted me to go and work down there or you know got somebody local to the area um, and that's one thing I will say that was good about the pandemic because yeah. it gave us a new way of working and you know allowed me the opportunity to basically do my dream job um, whilst living at home so uh, yeah but I'll I'll be going down to Kent tomorrow for the first time. <laughs> Amazing well we obviously I'm not that far from Kent down here we haven't had any snow or anything so there's no no worries about that down here sadly I'm very very cross about that. How how would you advise people? So for any of our listeners who want to get involved in music journalism or blogging or reviews or whatever, how would you suggest um, they do that? You know, what's um, what's your recommendation in how they can get involved in actually, I guess, working mm-hmm. in the music industry, whether it's paid or unpaid? How how would you suggest they do that? I think the biggest thing is be prepared that you're not always going to get paid and it takes a long time. Um, oh, yes. I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I think it's just about keeping up with it and, you know, set, setting up your own blog. It doesn't have to cost you a lot of money. Um, you know, you can get these sort of free WordPress accounts and things like that. It's a good starting point. You're not going to get a lot of views to start with, but it'll come and it's just about having patience and I I remember when I set up my very first blog at uni and I did one post and the next week I was a bit like "Mm, I don't know what to write about and I don't know whether I can be bothered and next my mum's on the phone saying I thought you were starting this blog where is it (laughs) and so it it pushed me to to actually do it you know so easily I could have given up very early on um but it's just about having that dedication and then also you know there's there's a difference between 
you know, people used to say to me, oh, you think everything's great. And it wasn't that. But I always tried to find the value in music because someone has put a lot of work into mm. their music, um, no matter what you think of it. And I always think that you should keep your criticism constructive. So yeah. you don't have to like it. You don't have to say it's the best thing ever. You can find room for improvement. Um, but I think there's a way of doing it. And I think the best way to get on in this industry is be polite about it. Um, and then, you know, hopefully people will, will respect you more and, uh, you know, uh, things will happen. I'm really glad that you've brought that up, actually, because I think potentially there is um a tendency for people who are doing reviews and what have you and maybe it's because they're young they're just starting out and what have you to just write something nice which is great don't get me wrong if if they do enjoy it but actually the point of of reviewing something is to really give your thoughts on it and if if you listen to it properly then there might be something that you don't really understand it's not that necessarily you don't like it but you might not just understand it so I think it is giving a much more rounded picture about you know whatever it is that you're writing about whether it's a gig or whether it's a a new album review or, or or something like that and um I've written a few reviews myself and I found it quite difficult to start with I mean I'm a bit older so I'm not afraid to say what I think um but like you say people have put so much time and effort and work into this piece of music and it's their heart and soul and yes you can say something wasn't to your taste or what have you but to be constructive about it I think is really is really key and that's with any business I guess isn't it if you um don't like something or what have you the only way you can make it better for the future is to actually suggest other ways of doing it or mm-hmm. or just say actually that's what's that that's what you're not sure about in the in the beginning um so yeah really really glad you you brought that up um you've I'm assuming you've been to Nashville yes and you've obviously got your experiences from Nashville how was that what were like your first impressions about Nashville what did you what were you imagining it to be before you went and did it live up to those expectations? Were you there for work or pleasure? Um, how did how did your first trip to Nashville go for you? Um, my first trip to Nashville was a university trip. It was just one week. Um, we arrived and we played. Uh, it was like a, an exchange with Belmont University. Oh, okay. They have a, a brilliant songwriting course with like, uh, I mean, at, at the time, I the first lecture I sat in there um, was um, with a guy called Tom Douglas, who wrote Miranda Lambert's The House That Built Me. Oh, and he's just, wow. like, taking a class. And yeah. I was like, this is incredible. It's amazing, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so so that's why I went and we played at the university and stuff. And it, it was fantastic. We also went to Timpan South Festival, which is a songwriting festival. Um, and it was just there was two things that stick out to me. And the first was I went over there thinking everyone was going to be dressed in cowboy hats and <laughs> cowboy boots. Yeah. So I went in mine and nobody, everyone looked at me like I'd fallen off another planet. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there was that. And then the second was, you know, I, I took a stack of demos thinking yeah. I could knock on the door of every single house on music row 
and just drop them a CD. That also didn't happen. I came home with all of my demos. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so um, my my how I thought Nashville was going to be was quite different to how it actually was. However, it was the most inspirational place that I've ever been. I, I absolutely love going there, um, and just the, the the quality of the songwriting and the artists is phenomenal. But it's also the people that you meet because someone might have. 10 hit songs but they're still willing to talk to you yeah. and to, to share their experiences with you and encourage you in your experiences too and I think that's the main thing about Nashville that I I love and that I hope it holds on to um is that sort of generosity that artists do make it and they make it big time but they don't lose that sort of humble spirit that they have about them yeah absolutely and if you were going if you were going back for the first time but already knowing what you know now and you had your stack of demos, how would you go about, you know, getting them heard or giving them to people or what have you? I think I'd mainly talk to people in bars as opposed to going knocking on the big labels doors yeah. and, and, the, and the big publishing house doors. I think it's just about talking to people because, I mean, I remember someone saying to me, you know, the, the person serving you at the bar is a better songwriter than you. And it's probably true because everyone, that well, not everybody, you know, but there's a lot of people in Nashville that want to be songwriters or artists uh, and they just haven't made it yet. But they've moved to Nashville and they're doing any job that they can get whilst they sort of learn the trade and learn the craft and make those connections. And uh, for me, I, I think well, you know, I could do with songwriting with some of those people, you know, I could do with mm. co-writing with them and uh, and listening to their music and not just be, oh, please listen to my music kind of thing. Um, it's definitely about connections and, and all connections. It, it doesn't matter how big or, or small you think somebody is. Um, it's just about that sort of, you know, camaraderie within music. Absolutely. And I think you just never know when that person that's serving you behind the bar is going to get their big break yeah. as well. And they call it a 10 year town, don't they? And uh, I know when I was chatting to Billy on the podcast, he, he was saying, you know, he slogged his butt off for 10 years and what have you before he had his first big hit. And, and he'd questioned himself so many times going, you know, am I doing the right thing here? They'd moved down from, from wherever and shifted his whole family and what have you and thinking, God, you know, I'm still, working behind a bar I can't remember exactly what he was doing but you know it's it's tough it's a really tough town to do that um just slightly digressing slightly um when you are listening to lots of music that you're reviewing for Maverick do you find that influences your own writing you know can you look back on some songs that you wrote yourself when you were I don't know during country music week, or I, I don't know when it would be, you know, if you've listened to a whole stack of music from certain artists, do you ever find that that influences the way you write yourself? I don't think so, but I think subconsciously it must, uh, mm. if that makes sense. Um, I always, I, I, I do struggle because we get so much music here to to review and to listen to I sort of have to set certain points aside um because if you listen to it all in one go um 
it all just seems to blur into one, which is not fair on the artist because, you yeah. know, they've worked hard and, the, the, you know. And so I often sit set certain times and certain days aside to listen to music that's just for Maverick, just to be reviewed for Maverick. Mm. Um, and, and I like to think that that helps me separate different parts of my life out. So, like, yeah. my songwriting side and my um, – but, you know, Obviously, when it comes to my own songwriting, I do draw influences from somewhere and, and from a lot of... And, and having studied songwriting, I often try and approach things um, probably from a less creative point of view, really. You know, when we was at uni, we, we we got tasked with writing a song for such an artist. You know, we get given names. So sometimes if I want to write a song and I've set some time aside to to focus on my own songwriting, I'll say, right, okay who do I want to write a song for today? Who am I aiming to write a song for? So I'll be like, oh, today I'll try and write for Jason Aldean. You know, not not intentionally yeah. like I'm going to pitch it to him, but just to get the ball rolling and start my own songwriting off. So in, in some ways, I guess that the music that I do listen to, you know, influences me in a way that I'm like, okay, I really like that style of songwriting or I really like that style or what that artist is doing. Mm. I'm going to try and see if I can write in that style. Um, so yeah, so I, I guess subconsciously, yes, it does. <laughs> yes. I love love that. Um, so sorry, I I completely digress there. But moving back to to Nashville and and Tennessee, what was your your one sort of best memory, or what has been your one best memory or best experience so far out in Nashville? Oh, <laughs> that's hard to narrow it down yeah. to one. <laughs> Um, I will say the first time I went to Nashville twice before I ever had chance to go to the Grand Ole Opry. Mm. And on my third visit, I, I, you know, I got to go and it was like a dream that I'd had for, for years and years and years. I wanted to see a show at the Grand Ole Opry and I wasn't bothered who was playing or, or anything. Yeah. But uh, the, the second that they came on stage and, and started singing, I just burst into tears. I was... I was crying like a baby in the audience. <laughs> I was just so happy, and the, yeah. the the music, the the emotion—it was just so overwhelming. And everyone's looking at me like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I remember that vividly, and I don't think I'll ever have another moment quite like that in, in my life, and and certainly not in Nashville. Um, and another one that sticks out to me was um, I got chatting to a guy uh, who was playing in a in a honky tonk, and. Uh, um, he invited me up to to sing shallow and so we we did a, a version of shallow together and then uh, he gave me his guitar and he said I'm, I'm going to the loo play a few songs so I ended up playing about six songs on the rooftop of um Alan Jackson's uh bar so yeah it was that was That's a amazing good, good moment too <laughs> brilliant memories brilliant memories and what would be your top tip um for an attraction for a newbie who's not been there before what would be your must see attraction I'd say look beyond Broadway, look beyond the honky-tonks. That's where everyone seems to go. That's where everyone seems to think yeah. the action is. But I'd try and find just a writer's round because you're going to hear the biggest country songs that have ever been written by the people that wrote them. Yeah. And those nights are magical. I mean, I went to one and they just, Casey Musgraves went to watch and they were like oh this one I wrote for Casey do you want to come and help me sing it Casey you know and that That's kind of thing happens um, yeah. 
and and those are the nights that are just that really stick out to me as being just so inspirational really so mm. if you're an inspiring songwriter those are the nights that you need to find not just um the the bands in the honky tonks yeah no i i agree they are um like i say i'm relatively young in the journey of songwriting um but i went to song suffragettes in nashville yeah. i just love it absolutely love it and i'm the more i the more I think about the songwriter themselves, the more I'm intrigued by, you know, how the song came about and, and all of the story behind it. So I think that's a, that's a great shout. Um, do you have a top tip of where to eat in Nashville? Was the one particular place that, that you went to or are you just happy to, you know, get whatever you get whenever you're, whenever you're there? Um. Well, I'm not sure whether it, I, I know it, it closed for a little bit, but I, I don't know if it's reopened, but Kid Rock's Honky Tonk mm. does the best nachos, like with chili on and, and like delicious cheese sauce oh, all yum. over. It's, oh, it, it's so great. And they do like these massive, massive portions that are like three times the size of what I need, but yeah. you know, um, so delicious and uh yeah we uh we we actually went me and my friend went and we we got one of those to share and we still couldn't finish it all and uh we invited a homeless guy to come and eat oh. with us so uh yeah that you know I would definitely recommend the food at Kid Rocks if it's still open but yeah there's Lovely. a lot of great places to eat in Nashville <laughs> brilliant and what about the favorite place that you've been to see a band in Nashville I mean I'm assuming it's going to be the Opry but take the Opry out of the equation was there another really special venue that you really enjoyed um oh there's two that come straight to mind and that's the Bluebird Cafe which yeah. uh, we haven't spoke about yet but obviously definitely somewhere to go if you're in Nashville if, if you can, can get a ticket exactly it's very hard I saw a Tim Pan South show there with um Liz Rose uh who fantastic songwriter yeah. but also wrote a, a lot of early Taylor Swift songs and uh so that that was a great place also do really good chocolate fudge cake as well so Ooh. You know, <laughs> chocolate fudge cake in the bluebird whilst listening to a hit song. Amazing. Yeah. Perfect <laughs> evening. <laughs> and then the other place is the country, uh, which is um, it, it's just outside of like sort of the, the main strip. Um, it, it's near um, the Parthenon, if you know um, the Parthenon, yeah. Centennial Park. Yeah. And I, I've seen some some great songwriters there. Uh, they do really good mac and cheese as well. Uh, so you've got me talking about food now. I'm hungry. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Actually, I got some amazing mac and cheese from, it was just a street vendor um, up not too far from the Parthenon, actually. It was delicious. It was like the nicest mac and cheese I've ever had. Um, so, yeah, that was, I'm not sure if I could say that as a as a top tip of where to go for food because I have no idea if it was always there or if it was just there for a a one-off occasion but it was amazing anyway um <laughs> what about anywhere else in Tennessee have you traveled further afield than just Nashville or have you just stuck around the city uh yeah we've been to um we went to Memphis um and uh that was well we you know we went to Graceland and, and Sun Studio oh, amazing um which to I mean yeah I mean I wasn't like the biggest Elvis fan before I went and now I just, I watch all his films, I listen to all his CDs. I, I just found it a really inspirational place to go and learn about um, 
you know, such a legend within music yeah. and within pop culture as well, just to learn about his life and uh, and his work. Um, so I definitely recommend going to Graceland and to, and Sun Studio as well. We had a really great tour guide who was just so enthusiastic, and that always helps. And yeah, I just I just loved learning about the history of, of of that as well and then the other place is Lynchburg Tennessee which is where the Jack Daniels factory is and um, now that's a, a great tour um so yeah definitely check out that but also just walking around that town because it's like your typical small town that they all talk about in in country songs so yeah. it was great to just see that and uh, and to experience sort of small town life <laughs> brilliant so we're sort of about to round off now and I just have a few questions that I always ask my interviewees do you have a top US artist um to watch out for over the next couple of the years that you've heard that you think yeah they're gonna be they're gonna be big yeah uh <laughs> again I have a few here but I'm gonna say one that I interviewed recently who um who's just brought out an EP um, had a brilliant song that sort of went viral on TikTok recently called Villain, and that's Lily Rose. And okay. I think she has a lot of potential and, and a lot of crossover potential as well. You know, there's there's a lot of pop influence within her country music. But, uh, yeah, she's definitely one to, to watch out for. Brilliant. And what about um, a top UK artist to watch out for who's maybe slightly under the radar? Ooh. Oh, well, I recently, well, on Saturday, I did a, uh, I organized a, a charity event and we, we've just launched Dolly Parton's Imagination Library in Oldham. Oh, and amazing. So I invited a, a few of the UK country artists to play. So I'm, I'm going to be cheeky here and, and say the three that, that came along to play, yep. Amelia Quinn, Emma Moore and Stevie O'Connor, who oh. are three absolutely fantastic yep and you know uh, the whole crowd was really impressed with them so uh, yeah I think they've, they've got good things going on absolutely I don't know much about, about Amelia I have to say um, but I saw Emma Moore in the I think she played in the songwriters round at the BCMA mm -hmm. awards and she was she was great and I love I love her song is it husbands and husbands or kids I think um, I hope I'm not confusing her with another artist but I'm pretty sure that was Emma Moore I love that and Stevie is Stevie's a really interesting one as well because he hasn't released a great deal yet he's the most amazing entertainer and I think hopefully he's got some more music that he will release over the next year or so um so yeah I absolutely agree with those choices now what would be your go-to country road trip song so when you're traveling down to Kent tomorrow yeah. What is going to be the song that you're going to play in the car, top volume? Oh, oh! Now you've got me thinking. <laughs> um, I think it's actually going to be um, "Dirt Road Anthem" by Jason Aldi, which Love I it. know is an unusual choice. You know, there's a definitely a lot of crossover in that one, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I. I when that comes on and I'm driving, I, I do crank it up. And uh, yeah, yeah. And he's a great guy, a really yeah. lovely guy. So Brilliant. Good choice. Good choice. So finally, where can where can people find out more about you? Where can they find out more about Maverick? Can everyone buy your EP, your EP anywhere? Tell us how, how to get in touch or find out more about, about you. Yeah, um, well, my EP uh, is 
floating out and about in the on the internet somewhere. Um, yeah, it's uh, my my artist name is just Zoe, um, and uh, about Maverick, um, it's just jump on on our website. It's maverick-country.com, um, and uh, if you want to, you know, feel free to get in touch with me. Um, my I use, mainly use Twitter. Um, so uh, it's at underscore the writer's room so uh, anyone out there that has music that they want me to listen to I'm happy to so just send me a message on Twitter and uh, give me a follow and I'll try and follow as many of you back as well to you know see what you're doing keep up with your gigs and, and whatnot so uh, yeah that's the best way to to keep in touch with with everything I'm doing and, and to, to get your music to me amazing well thank you so much Zoe it's been an absolute pleasure really enjoyed our chat today um yeah so thank you for giving up your Monday afternoon to to chat to us thank you So in our customary post-production edits, just want to summarise some of Zoe's recommendations. And she recommends heading a little bit further out of Broadway um, to go and find yourselves a writer's round to uh, hear some of the best country music that there is in Nashville. She also says that Kid Kid Rock's Honky Tonk in Nashville on Broadway serves the best nachos so if you want a massive place of plate of nachos that is the place to go and if you are looking to venture a little further afield then heading over to Graceland um, in Memphis is absolutely tip top and get yourself a good tour guide over there and head around Sun Studios as well and also the Jack Daniels Whiskey Tour in Lynchburg um, and just wandering around the town itself um, is one of her recommendations said it's a uh, just one of those small towns that they talk about in all of these country songs so thank you very much for listening and um, we shall see you next time you have been listening to the tales of tennessee podcast with me georgie t you can keep up to date with the podcast by following us at talesoftennessee.podbean.com or by following all of our social media channels for the Tennessee Fields Festival. The handle is at TNFieldsFest on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can also follow me, Georgie T, on Instagram at the underscore accidental underscore everything. We'd love to hear from you. So don't forget, you can email us at talesoftennessee at yahoo.com. And as always, thanks go to Francis and Archie Ween for providing the jingles for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Sitting on the porch with Georgie T. Hearing tales of Tennessee.